Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time here, my name is John. I'm lead pastor. Appreciate you guys checking us out. Today we are kicking off this new series. We're going to be calling it Big Questions. And for the next few weeks, we are going to be taking a look at questions that many of us are kind of pondering, but perhaps they're a little afraid to ask. And I think it's important to do series like these every so often because when it comes to these types of questions, they often can make us feel very alone. You know, we think that we're the only ones kind of wondering about these topics, and it can be very isolating. And what's worse is if you ignore these questions, they really do have the potential to spiritually derail you. And so our goal is to address some of the big questions that are plaguing our minds and to find out what God's Word has to say about them. Adam and I sat down, kind of chart out these, these questions, and I got to tell you, we got some great questions for you guys. And what I want to do today is I want to start off with the hardest one of all. Because, you know, we're fresh. It's, it's a brand new month. We got all this energy. And so I want to tackle the, the most difficult one we could do. It's a question that probably every single one of you has asked. Some of you might be asking it today. And it's this. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Now, before we dive into this question, I want to do something we don't normally do. I just want to pray for a moment because I know... This is a hard one, and so I just want to prepare our hearts for it. So if you would, just bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, I want to invite you into this message for the next few moments, God, because I know this is going to be a tough conversation. And many of us in this room have struggled in the past. Some of us are struggling right now. And I just pray, Lord, that you would touch us in a special way. Um, help us to grow through this and, and to pull from it whatever we need to pull, Lord. And I just pray that we would feel your presence. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Why does God allow bad things to happen? This is a question that the world, I mean, every single person I think has been asking since the beginning of time. If you're a Christian um, and you love Jesus and you love God, but you've experienced something painful or something unfair or, or something you just don't understand, chances are you've asked this question too. You know, maybe you lost your job. Um, maybe your parents got divorced. Maybe you suffer with depression or migraines and there's just no relief. I think whatever the case may be, there's going to come a moment in your life where we're all going to go, God, why are you letting this happen? Letting. Why don't you do what I know you could do and stop this? When you read through the Bible, you'll find countless instances of just huge men and women of faith asking this exact question. Jesus himself effectively asked this question from the cross, which tells me that the Bible doesn't avoid pain and suffering. It doesn't pretend like it doesn't exist. It doesn't pretend like it's not a reality of the world that we all live in. In fact, what you'll discover is that pain and suffering is central to the story of the Bible. And what I want you to see today is that Christianity makes sense of gives meaning to and also offers a solution to the pain and suffering that we all feel. So to begin this conversation, I want to introduce you to a guy named Asaph. Now, chances are you've probably never heard of Asaph. This is not some massive guy in the scripture. He's an Old Testament figure. He worked with King David, and he was actually the worship leader, choir director at the temple. Now, not only was he the worship leader, he was also a prophet and a poet, and he wrote several of the Psalms that are in the Bible. Now, in one of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 73, he says something interesting for today's conversation. 
He says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. In other words, I started to struggle. And he goes on to say that he was struggling with the fact that evil men seem to prosper. They're the ones getting rich. They're the ones who have the best health care. He says, they're the ones who have the nicest clothes. They seem to be getting all these blessings. And he didn't understand where God was in all of this. And so in verse 11, he just straight up asks, does the Most High even know what's happening? You ever feel like that? God, do you have any idea what I'm going through? Lord, do you have any idea what my family is struggling with, what my kids are struggling with? Do you have any clue what's going on? Asaph says, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while the riches multiply. Meanwhile, he says, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? In other words, is it worth it? Is this whole God thing worth it? This whole Christianity, Jesus thing, is it all worth it? I mean, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. I'm trying to live by your principles. I'm trying to live according to your word. He says, but I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that the Bible contains moments like this because it makes me realize that I am not alone, that this is real life, these are real emotions, and these are real questions that all of us are wrestling with. So why does God allow bad things to happen? Allow me to build my case because this is not a simple answer. First, we've got to talk about love. I've got to start here. Love is one of the best things that, that God ever invented. Scripture says that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So love is this amazing, incredible force. It is an absolute gift, but here's the thing about love. And maybe you never thought about this before. In order for love to exist, it must be a choice, okay? In order for love to be love, it has to be a choice. In other words, you can't compel love. You can't command love. Just like you can't demand respect, you can't demand love. It has to be a choice. Are you with me so far? Okay, so. If love is a choice, okay, if love is a choice, and it has to be, right, it can't be love without being a choice. If love is a choice, then pain is a possibility. If it's possible to love, that means it's possible to hurt. Let me flesh this out even more. In order for God to give us the gift of love, he had to give us the gift of free will, the ability to choose, because love can only exist unless it's a choice, right? So, God wants us to love him. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And because he doesn't want little robots, he gave us free will so that we can say, I choose to love you. Yes, I love you. Here's the catch. Free will is one of God's dangerous gifts, meaning it comes with a warning. So in order for God to give us the ability to choose love, he necessarily had to give us the freedom to choose evil. And when we choose evil, we choose what the Bible calls sin. And sin kills things. And you've seen this. You've seen sin kill marriages. You've seen sin kill finances. You've seen sin kill self-esteem. Whenever sin shows up, something dies, which means sin leads to pain and suffering. And so when we ask things like, well, why doesn't God just remove pain and suffering? Like if he's so loving and so powerful, why does he allow it to happen? The reality is 
for God to remove pain and suffering, he would either have to remove our freedom to choose or he'd have to remove us. So on the one level, the reason bad things happen, the reason pain and suffering exists, and the reason God allows it to happen is because of love. Let's take it a step further. Some people, when they talk about the existence of, of pain and the presence of pain, believe that pain and suffering means that God doesn't love you. That pain and suffering in and of itself is evidence that God doesn't love you. But that doesn't make sense logically because pain isn't evidence of a lack of love. And we see this every day. For example, let me talk to you about Dr. O. Dr. O is my physical therapist and he hurts me. Um, last summer, I had a pretty bad rotator cuff injury, so much so that even putting on a t-shirt was like awful pain. And one day in one of our sessions, he was having me do this exercise where I take a band and I go down and I go off to the side. And let me just tell you something, it killed. I don't mean like it hurt. I mean like it was concerning me, the level of pain. And I actually asked him, is this pain okay? Like, do you know what you're doing? Because I feel like this is actually making the injury worse. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, pain is okay when you're being directed by a doctor to do a specific movement in order to achieve healing. In other words, Dr. O was allowing me to feel pain because he knew healing would come from the pain. He was allowing me to endure pain because he believed it would bring about something better, something better was coming. So pain in and of itself is not necessarily evidence of a lack of love. Let me talk to the parents in the room for a second. You ever had to discipline your child? Maybe you send them to your room or take away screen time. I don't know if we're spanking anymore these days. My dad never hit me. He just used, you know, psychological warfare to break me down. Very effective method. That's why I'm so normal now. Um, but parents, why do we discipline? Is it because you hate your children? No. It might drive you crazy, but it's, that's not okay. It's because you love them and you want something better for them, and you believe discipline puts them on the path to being a better person in this world. Well, the same goes for God. Author of Hebrews says, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. I think that's so interesting. Don't give up when, when God allows a little bit of painful correction in your life. Why? For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child, which means that there are times in our lives, not every pain, but there are times in our lives when the presence of real pain is actually the evidence of real love. And God doesn't discipline you because he hates you. He does it because he loves you and he wants something better for you. So why does God allow bad things to happen? I think we're willing to accept that pain exists because love exists, okay? That makes sense logically. I think we're willing to accept that pain can sometimes in certain you know, situations be evidence of real love, fine. But there's one last hurdle that we gotta get over in this conversation and it is the mother of all questions. So get ready. Why do bad things happen to good people? And listen, we get it why bad things happen to bad people. That makes sense, that seems fair. But why does someone who is a good person have something so tragic happen in their lives? The answer to this question is so offensive to some people. And the truth is it's been offensive to people since the beginning of time. 
I would argue it's the one reason keeping so many folks from having a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I think it's the one reason that so many people do not have a, a relationship with God. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, according to God, we're not actually good people. To which immediately we want to go, mm, wait, no, I'm actually, mm, I am a good person. Listen, because this is so important. And if you hear nothing else I hear, I say today, hear this, okay? You may be a good person. You may be a good person when compared to other people, but other people are not the standard of goodness. God is. And when we get compared to a perfect God, even the best of us come up short. Scripture is extremely clear. Paul says in Romans 3.23, for everyone, and when he says everyone, he means everyone, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. This is the standard by which we are measured. Now, forget about that standard for a second, because if we're honest with ourselves, we fall short of our own standards, don't we? How many times have you said to yourself, I'll never do that again. I'll never call her again. <laughs> I'll never pick up the bottle again. I'll never do this again. I'll never do that again. And then what happens? You do it again. We can't even live up to our own standards. Or maybe we say something like, well, I have a good heart. She's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. Do you? Because scripture says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That doesn't sound like a good thing. And I get it. This is not easy to hear, okay? Nobody wants to hear this about themselves, trust me. But we fool ourselves. I think we do damage when we go, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we're not actually good people. In fact, there was only ever one person to ever live who was actually good, Jesus. And the fact is, there has only ever been one time in the history of the world where something bad happened to someone good and Jesus volunteered for it. The innocent son of God, who never did anything wrong, took on our punishment and died on that cross, which means the worst thing happened to the best person. Jesus suffered for you. He left the glory of heaven to be born to poverty. He was ridiculed all of his life for being illegitimate. He was rejected by those closest to him. He was abandoned by friends and family. He was wrongly accused. He was beaten. He was tortured, whipped, stripped naked, and then he was hung on that cross. And after living a perfect life, as he gasped for that last breath of air, he cried out the same question that you may have cried out. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? God, where did you go? Lord, why does it feel like you've left me? Why does it feel like you've forsaken me? I've lived a perfect life. I've been obedient every single way. I've loved you. I've lived for you. My God, my God, why? Why would God allow that? Now, I can't speak on God's behalf and tell you why you're going through what you're going through. I can't tell you that. And I can't tell you why God doesn't do what he could do in your situation. I can't tell you that. And I can't tell you why God allowed that person to do to you what they did. I can't tell you that. I cannot tell you what the answer is. But I can tell you what the answer is not. 
And the answer is not that God doesn't love you. Because scripture is abundantly clear. God loves you. John tells us that for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This tells us that God loved you so much and took your misery and your suffering and your pain so seriously that he was willing to let his one and only son take it on and die for it. Why? Because God knew something better was coming. God knew it takes a death to have a resurrection. He knew it takes a hurt to find healing. He knew it takes a loss to have a victory. And because God is so good and so powerful, he can bring good out of something bad. And he knows that in your life, something better is coming. The Bible never says, not one time, that, that you won't have a hard time in this world. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you won't hurt. It never says you won't go through something unfair. In fact, Jesus Christ himself makes us a promise. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Which means that those of us who use our free will, that gift from God to choose, those of us who use that gift to follow Jesus and to know Jesus and to serve Jesus and to love Jesus will one day meet Jesus in eternity and will one day suffer no more because something better is coming. Scripture tells us at the end of time, when everything's over, who knows when that's going to be, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And at this time, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. No more loss. No more sickness. No more rejection, no more heartache, no more grief, no more shame, no more depression, no more abuse, no more crying yourself to sleep at night because all of these things are gone forever. But we're not there yet. And for now, we still live in a sin-stained world where because love is possible, so is pain. And it is very easy in a moment, in an instance, when you look at what you're enduring and going through to conclude that God must not be good or God doesn't even exist or God doesn't care for me or God has no idea what's going on. But when you walk with Jesus for a lifetime, not just a moment, but for a lifetime, when you learn to trust his presence, when you allow him to comfort you in times of pain, he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding and you can know that God is good. Remember our buddy Asaph in the beginning? When a questioned if God even knew what was going on? I want to show you what he concluded after walking with God faithfully. He said this in verse 16. He said, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. I love his honesty. Because it's okay to not be okay. Okay? It's okay to say, I don't get this. It's okay to say, I don't understand why this is happening. It bothers me. It seems unfair. I don't like it. He says, I tried to understand all of this and it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I got into God's presence. 
until I experienced God's goodness, until his grace sustained me. And he wraps up by saying that my health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I wanted to start off this series by talking about an incredibly difficult question because it's something we will all ask. I've sat across from the table from parents who have tragically lost children who asked this question. I've been with people who have unjustly lost their jobs who ask this question. And the truth is sometimes answers for as scripturally accurate as they may be, don't make the pain go away. And that was not my intention. And truthfully, sometimes answers can actually feel like salt in the wounds. My goal was not to minimize your pain. My goal was to lift this weighty question off your heart and to put it onto the table. Because this question, if ignored, if not dealt with, can actually make us run from God rather than run to him. You see, pain and suffering was never God's plan for this world, and it was never his plan for your life, and that's why he sent Jesus here. And so if you're hurting, now's the time to run to him. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So I'll say this. Today was an unbelievably difficult message to give, and it's even harder to hear. Okay? And all I can say to you is this. If, if you are one of those people who is suffering right now, if you're one of those who are hurting right now, what I want you to know more than anything else is that God hurts with you. And what may feel like the worst thing in your life, and it may be the worst thing in your life, is also something that you may look back on in days, weeks, months, or maybe even years and say, I wouldn't want anybody else to go through that. And I would never want to go through it again. But I experienced the presence of God through it. And somehow... God did use it. So if you're hurting and you're wondering where God is, just remember that you are living in the not there yet. And the good news is, by the grace of God, something better is coming. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I could just feel the pain in this room right now. And Lord, I know because we are human, some of us right now are going through something painful, Jesus. We are dealing with hurt. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would comfort us. That in the midst of our pain, Lord, we would feel your presence, perhaps in a way that we have never felt before, God. And I thank you, Lord, that even though your plan for this world was never our pain, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you have a plan for our pain. And that while we still reside in this sin-stained world, something better is coming, God. And I pray that you would give us the strength to keep our eyes on you 
and we'll be sure to give you all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' mighty and precious name.